DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in former BYU wide receiver Dylan Colley. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning is underway for most businesses. Take advantage of their Save Now Pay Later promotion. Do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. <coughs> Dylan, good morning. How are we doing? We're doing well. We're doing all right this morning. I'm curious. You know, we all make predictions and make picks. People want them. Nobody follows these contests. Nobody. He's straight, he's straight up. Forget the line. Straight up. Nobody can really pick more than about 70. If you're really red hot, 75% of the winners. It's hard to pick right. a game before a game. But having said that, it was hard to pick that BYU game in the game. After two possessions, they're up 10 nothing, And there is no hint that they're going to be held to seven points the rest of the game and turn it over four times. And to the coaches, uh, A-Rod said this on TV, the amount of times that they lined up wrong or ran a play wrong for a play that they have practiced and lined up for plenty of times and run plenty of times, it, it was just... Uh, it was incredible that they, they messed up basic stuff they know. What do you think turned that game around? Because at 10 nothing, there was no hint that stuff's coming. Yeah, I think ultimately, right, what it comes down to is, is I think BYU is just worn out. Um, and I think that comes with new territory, right? Uh, in order to put yourself in a position to be a, a top, top-tier <sighs> football program it just goes back to the fact that your bad days can't be uh anywhere near as bad as as your opponents right especially at that level and so um you know i i was at the game uh i caught the i caught the second half of it and you could just i mean to be honest like it was the the receivers looked tired they looked worn out um, had some struggles kind of covering themselves up uh, and didn't really give Baylor the best opportunity. And so, you know, you hear about assignments and things like that, and it's those little things that really do make a difference. And, you know, uh, that's I think that was the biggest the biggest difference from what we've seen. And uh, you just – that's you got to be able to maintain it. you got to be able to maintain it all season, and you can't make mistakes like that in, you know, five, six games in the season. Yeah, it was almost like the law of averages caught up with them because they hadn't lost a fumble through five games, which is stunning that it was that. And that's a large portion of the reason why they won. And then they have the three fumbles, which was a large portion of why they lost when you look at the turnover margin and losing that particular statistic Mm 4-0. And they were all devastating to created short fields for Boise and then one you look like you were going to maybe possibly get a touchdown you were driving and you know really would have made a difference so I can't say that it's an epidemic with them I'm wondering you know it was just that do you think it was just that one game the ball got loose they'll be more cognizant of it going forward and they'll be able to get a handle on it yeah, I mean, once again, like you said, right, it's, it's the law of averages. How often does that happen to them? And over the last two seasons, how often does that happen to, to Peeney and uh, to Tyler, right? Um, they're generally, right, very, very secure running backs who don't lose the ball, um, you know, and through Jaron's first few games and obviously coming back from that injury, he, uh, you know, you, you haven't seen him make some of the decisions that he's made. And so, 
you know, that's, that's all part of it's, it's one game right now. On the other hand, I think we all saw exactly what Boise state is capable of, right? For the first five games of the season, they were only really a first half team and to be able to see all four quarters of Boise state football again, you realize why, right? They've been a top 25 team consistently throughout the last decade and have been a very good football program. And I think, uh, this game for them was huge and they kind of catch the, catch the wind and can hopefully kind of keep on the, the path that they were on from Saturday and, and playing extremely physical and playing that, you know, old school uh, Boise State football. When BYU, uh, the announcement came and BYU was going to the Big 12, I, uh, I started checking to see how often BYU had played some of these teams, how it had gone. It turns out for a lot of these teams in the Big 12, they've played them one or two times in bowl games. In the case of West Virginia, it was a regular season game, but it was one time mm-hmm. a neutral you know, on the NFL field in Washington. Uh, there just isn't much history. So as much as you're starting to watch you know, how this season is going to go because it looks pretty good, although it won't be unbeaten, and so this game matters this season. How much are you looking forward to uh, BYU at Baylor just because it's the start of a new tradition and there really isn't much to build on there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it, it really does kind of give people an insight into what the new era of BYU football is, right, and the ability to go into Big 12 stadiums. And I think it's a huge kind of moment for – BYU in the Big 12 in the sense of the Big 12 gets to see what BYU truly brings to the table when they travel, right? Um, you know, you've kind of heard about it and you've seen it secondhand, but to see it now firsthand with them officially saying, hey, all right, now all eyes are on you from the Big 12's perspective, and you're going to see, you know, uh, a very large amount of blue and white in that Baylor Stadium. Uh, and I think that's going to be kind of like that moment of like, okay, Right, this can be good football, but more importantly, right, BYU is going to travel and they're going to bring in the revenue necessary uh, to make this a good move. So that's it's, it's huge. Jaron Hall looks like he might be. I don't know if he's hesitant to run. If they've told him not to run because his injuries have occurred on runs. Uh, well, he's such a dynamic athlete that I think it's a shame and it will hurt BYU if he can't use his legs. Uh, so with that in mind, if he's hesitant or they've told him not to run, whatever it might be, would you consider going to Romney? It looks like Romney might be, I can't say it unequivocally, yeah. but he might be a better passer. Uh, I don't I don't think so. Okay. I think I think you, you stay with Jaron and obviously right, the, the injury that occurred, it wasn't just a matter of Hey, we knocked you out of the, or you knocked the, you got the wind knocked out of him, right? Um, and so, you know, in order for him to be effective, and, and BYU knows this, the offensive staff knows this, right? He needs to be able to use both his, his arm and his legs. And so, you know, that type of game plan is, is huge. It's just a matter of ensuring that, hey, this is bigger than, you know, you need to go out and win games, and we need to win games. And so we need to use your feet. We need you to use your arm. And whatever we have to do from the mental side, right, because physically he's going to be taken care of. The, the guy puts in more work than anybody, and he's going to make sure he's 100% healthy, and the training staff is going to take care of him. But we need to make sure that he's locked in mentally to trust that he can use his legs. 
and they need to make that a part of the game plan. And that's the only way that we're going to be able to kind of keep people on, on, on their toes. Um, both of those aspects are, of his game are so good that you can't just you can't just replace him. Uh, you got it. You got to keep rolling with him because I think it just shows a lot of trust in your game plan from the very beginning and not hitting the panic button just because one game down, right? Well, the other thing is, even if he can't or doesn't or shouldn't run, whatever, the defense doesn't know that. I mean, the threat of him running is worth something, whether he runs or not, isn't it? Absolutely. No question. But you do need to be able to see it, right? If you if you bring the house and he's trying to get outside the pocket, but he sees a lane and there's a couple defenders, uh, it's very easy for a defensive coordinator to tell, hey, he's hesitant in hitting that hole, right? Uh, and so that threat can only last so long. It's got about one more game in it, but if he doesn't you know, start start running, teams are going to start to compress and know, hey, this is, this is a little bit more than just knock the wind out of him or this is a little bit more than, you know, hey, uh, I, we're just not running because it's part of the game plan, right? Yeah. So you look at the second half of the season, they're at the halfway point, and they're 5-1. and one. We know the teams they beat going forward. Looks like they would have victories minimally over Idaho State and Georgia Southern, so that brings them to seven. And they've got four more power fives with Baylor, Washington State, uh, Virginia, and SC. So to get to nine – all they have to do is split those four games, and I think obviously well, the goal would be to win all six, obviously. But mm-hmm. maybe to me, if you go ten and two this season, that's a really good season. So you're looking at uh, what eleven and one and ten and two, uh, pretty pretty impressive when you think about it. What do you think they do? Can they get to ten wins? Yeah, I mean, it. It is, it is all a matter, right, of how consistent they stay. If this is, hey, we're going to play three games and then have a hiccup game like they did the other day, right, um, or, hey, the next three games are super close, then you're kind of bound and inevitable to, to lose the fourth one. Um, if, if they really bounce back from this game and pick themselves off and say, pick themselves up and say, hey, this is – we can't let this happen again, and here's how we're going to do that, right? Here's how we're going to ensure that we're playing consistent football, that our bad days really aren't, you know, awful days <laughs> like like uh, this last Saturday. You have to ensure that that type of confidence is instilled in everybody and you're able to go out and execute to be able to be a part of that big, you know, tier two, tier one college football program. Um, but if it's we're hanging by a thread for three games and we lose one and hanging by a thread for another three games and lose one. It's just, uh, I I think 10 wins is very difficult, but I, I personally have faith that everybody, you know, is picking themselves up and saying, okay, we don't let that happen again. And, you know, they can go in each week and play football the way that they know how in the most consistent way possible in the way that they did it for, you know, both of the top 25 wins that they have. Right. Uh, and so now it's just a matter of climbing back up the charts and making sure you kind of make a statement and prove people uh, prove people wrong. Do you find Baylor to be a little bit of a mystery? Have you been tracking them this year and you got some stuff you definitely know about them? It's definitely a mystery. Uh, and that's only because of their new offensive coordinator, right? <laughs> what are they bringing to the table? What are they going to show? Who's the one that's actually calling the plays? 
Um, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the big question, right? Uh, depending on how many times they fake the jet sweep, you'll have a pretty good idea of who's calling the play. Um, but, I mean, this last week, I think you saw a different Baylor football team. They were, you know, exciting, fun, getting it through the air and making an impact on offense. And so, you know, uh, it's all it's all just dependent about how much power they put in, in Grimes' hands. So you're saying Grimes likes to fake the jet sweep a lot? Yeah, I'm not sure if you were uh, able to watch 2018, but I probably faked the jet sweep about 1,500 <laughs> times. Well, you got yourself in shape then. <laughs> oh, I was in shape. <laughs> sideline to sideline, baby. <laughs> hey, they had to respect your speed. No question. What did it say about no you? Question. I think it said good things about you. You seemed to resent all those uh, 40-yard gassers you had to run. Let me tell you, it was a uh, it was a tough one. When I did get it, though, it worked out. It wasn't it wasn't a half bad, but let me tell you. You think it was we, punishment or something? So you just said instead of after been. practice, just do it during the games. It, yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it honestly, it may have been. It may have been. All right, Dylan, we appreciate a few minutes. We will watch for the jet sweep and (laughs) the fake jet sweep. I'm going to watch them both. I'm going to watch for the jet sweep and the fake jet sweep. When I can't sleep from now on, I'm going to have Dylan Colley in my mind. Instead of sheep, he's going to be running sideline to sideline. (laughs) One Dylan Colley, two Dylan Colley, three Dylan Colley. No question. No question. <laughs> all right. Th- uh, thanks, all Dylan. Right, we'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. All right. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. It's always, I sense a little bit of irritation. It's always the little thing. <laughs> Could I run 40 yards downfield? Because that's why most people want to play wide receiver. You got me running from one sideline to the other. Now, I saw every game in 2018, but I don't remember that. I can back him up. Okay. It was. It seemed like... I don't doubt him, but here, it hasn't stuck right, with me three right, years later. Here right. comes the motion. They're not handing it off again. And it was him Here doing comes it? the motion. And number three, Dylan Colley, more often than not, was going... It was him or Micah Simon. If you remember Micah Simon, who were number 13. Sure, Those are like the two Simon, dudes yeah. who do it all of the time. At least A-Rod, when he runs it, actually, yeah, you know, hands it off once in a while. Well, uh, I don't... Was a- A-Rod wasn't on the staff then, was he? He's been on the staff the whole time with Grimes. No, no, no. I don't think he has. I thought he was there yeah. A-Rod for a year in. on the staff, but he wasn't a coach, wasn't right, he? he was an, like a, when he was an analyst? Like, yeah, but he was. I think he was just a volunteer because they were going to add the 10th coach the next year, and they were going to add him. Now, Yach's looking it up because he's like you. We question his accuracy, so he's going to the computer. <laughs> People in the car want the facts. Joined the BYU staff in 2018 when Jeff Grimes came in. Right. He was an offensive consultant in 2017 when they had the awful season with the old stuff. Oh, the consultant year was 2017. Okay. right here. There it is. There it really? is. He, now we got it he's all. Been, he's been the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator the entire time that Grimes was there. He has been there with him side by side. That's off by then why didn't they just hire A-Rod as the uh, offensive coordinator? Because he hadn't been fired yet? Who hadn't been fired yet? A-Rod at Utah. Yeah, he had. He had. He was there in 17. 17, when they went 4 and 9, he was an offensive consultant that year on, with the Titans. Then why didn't they just hire A Rod as the OC then? An excellent because they question wanted to for get Clark. Jeff Grimes, I guess. I yeah. don't know.
Why? Because he only lasted a year as a play caller, and then they gave A-Rod. A-Rod's been calling the plays for over two years now. All good questions for Kalani. It doesn't matter. And now it doesn't matter. Not that Grimes was uh, dirt by any stretch because he won a lot of games there, and that was a great move. They needed somebody who had experience, and so they went from almost no experience to bringing Grimes and A-Rod, and I think that's a significant factor as to why they've been as good as they've been the last couple of years because they've got everybody on that staff. They don't have any more rookies, and I've been saying that for years. BYU is not an entry-level job, particularly at coordinators. It just isn't anymore. Unless you've been like a Lincoln Riley and you've been there, or like a Kyle Whittingham, that's another story. You know, Kyle Whittingham was a rookie head coach. Of course, it was the Mount West at the time, too. But at the same time, he'd been in the, in the program for so long that that's a little bit different. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show coming up next. And one thing that just broke while we were talking to Dylan Colley, updating an NBA story next. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After a bye week, the Aggies look to keep their Mountain West Conference Championship hopes alive as they head south to Las Vegas for a battle against the Rebels of UNLV. Hear all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame show Saturday at 4. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Donovan driving, lobbing, Rudy dunking. Don, behind the back dribble, stepping back on the left foot and scoring. That's a new move. Behind the back, in the lane, pushing back off the left foot to create some extra space and scoring. Resets Royce over to Ingles. That's the left corner three for Joe Ingles when he buries it. Kick out to Hughes, left-hand dribble, nice pass to Pascal. He'll take the three right side and hit. Pascal's had a very nice game. They're the highlights. David Locke on the call. Third of four Jazz preseason games. The first home game. The Jazz beat the Pelicans. They get the win and they play the big names, if not big minutes, at least substantial minutes, somewhere from 20 to 30 for most of the guys. And after a couple of road games where there were DNPs all over the roster among starters and regular rotation guys, this one looked different. We were trying to follow three or four games at the same time. The Red Sox game was going for a while there. It wrapped up, but we still had Dodgers, Giants, Monday Night Football, and the Jazz. They passed the eyeball test when I flicked over, PK. I didn't watch all of anything. I watched a little of all of them. But while I was watching the Jazz, I thought, well, that looks like the Jazz right there. I'm happy that uh, you think that. I'm sure they're happy that you think that, too. I bet they don't care. <laughs> My favorite part this time of year, and we'll get to it here in another week or so. Oh, man, he's in midseason form. I love that. I love that cliche. Oh, really? That's your go-to? Yeah, he looks like he's in midseason. Because I always say I knew that was coming, and I didn't. I thought you were going to go to, hey, this group is clicking early. We've really come together. The guys really like each other. Well, they play Fortnite now. So uh, that is that the th- that I thing? I think it was Call of, of Duty. Call of Duty. Call, Call of, of Duty. Duty. I knew it wasn't Fortnite. You're right. Yeah, so th- if that doesn't guarantee a title, they stay up late playing Call of Duty together. That matters. 
There it is. It's all you need to know. <laughs> they beat each other, beat each other up in practice all day, and then play Call of Duty all night. Yeah, that's. Hassan Whiteside says everybody says they're close, but this team actually is. And that's great if it helps you win a title. How many playoff wins is that worth? Yeah. <laughs> Let me know. I'm all for it. I, I mean, chemistry matters. So does talent. So does foul trouble. So do injuries. Talent matters more. <laughs> talent. You really want the talent thing. And I think they've got right. it. You want the depth. You want the star mm-hmm. power. You want the depth when you need it. Mm-hmm. You want star power. Donovan Mitchell dribbling into a three on balance, crossing over. He's a star. Shake and bake. He's a star, yeah. I don't know, he's a I don't star. know how you stay in front of him. Uh, yeah, I think NBA is that. about team defense rather than individually. Um, you can overcome some weaknesses that way. Majerus made a living off of that. Uh, so I think Gobert's a star. I, I think they've got the talent. They've got Gobert 19 and 19 in the preseason game. He's in midseason form. You love that. <laughs> now you're happy. And you can move on to the next game. I know you checked the Jazz out for a while. Was it the NFL, the one you devalued the most, stuck with the playoffs? Well, I went to the NFL and saw that the Colts had a big lead. Of course, they didn't hold it. And that then I uh, checked the score, went back to it. I got, I got locked in. I was in the Jazz in the beginning because I figured the guys would play early then they'd make the substitutions. And so I did too. Uh, I, was, I was surprised to see Donovan play in 30 minutes. Mm, yeah, okay, sure. Because I, I was, I was that, with you. Yeah. I thought guys were going to be in that 20 to 24, you know, play half the game. But maybe. even the, the, the second portion or the latter portion of those minutes, the game was a blowout. Yep. So I didn't know what the other team was going to do. And what were the Pelicans going to play? How much were they going to play their guys? Because you play your guys 30 minutes, but they're playing against guys at the end of the bench. What difference does it make? Right. So. It's not just your guys. Uh, so uh, I watched a lot of the first half. Then the Boston game, I saw, got real close. So I locked down on that. I, I wandered for off at seven, 5 eight, nothing. Nine. I thought, well, the Red Sox have them. But I've got the baseball app, and they, and they let the you scores. know the Rays are coming back. Yeah. So I flicked it back on um, in the eighth when it was 5 3, and then boom, they got three straight hits and tied it up immediately. And I thought, okay, I'm on to this. And then, of course, uh, it ended in the bottom of the ninth. And then I went and uh, went uh, to the Dodgers, Giants. Classic pitching postseason. Went back to the NFL when it got OT. And so I had that. Baseball and football, fairly easy because there's a little dead time in between pitches and plays and so forth. But I didn't break out another device like I do on Saturdays. Kept it to one screen. Yeah, Saturdays I'll go three. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll go TV, yeah. computer, phone. And so that's, and I'll have the computer, obviously, laptop by the name, and then I'll put the phone on the bottom of the laptop off to the left. And then I guess, so I got the TV off to the right, laptop, phone, bottom left. And then you can pay attention to uh, all three particularly in the Pac-12, because they tend to play a lot of games uh, at the same time. And I feel like... How else do you track them all? And, and Yeah. Per, well, basically, I, when you get to that 8.30 window. As they relate to Utah, you know, because they, they, they're playing somebody next week. If it's, if it's Cal and Oregon State, and they've already played those guys, or they're not playing them, I'll, I won't be as involved in that one. But if they're if they're going to play Utah the next week or the week after, mm-hmm. 
like Oregon State and Washington was uh, Washington State was Pac-12. Well, this good right? news you only need two uh, two night games this week with UCLA Washington. Second half will overlap with the first half of the U's. Mm-hmm. There's only five Pac-12 games, but only four on Saturday. So you get a bye, you get a Friday game. It kind of thins things out. Yeah, this past Saturday was was good for me with BYU being spaced and Utah State not playing. So there was distance between the Utah and the BYU games. And that's why I had, but I did have a Bama. Washington State and Oregon State on my phone. You had the Bama game on, didn't you? Uh, going back and forth. Yeah. I thought watching that Ravens game, the amazing thing was, in, in the end, Jackson throws for 400 yards, which is a massive number, and, and the four touchdowns on the final four possessions, they had nothing going. Now, I missed it, and I got it actually in one of the wrap-ups that I stumbled into was that the Colts along the way, and because I was flipping back and forth, I didn't see every play, that they lost somebody on the D-line, they lost somebody in defensive backfield, and athletically, they just they weren't good enough, they couldn't keep up. And But it was amazing the way that game flipped because the Ravens just couldn't, couldn't get it going. And then once they got a roll and they couldn't stop. Well, that's why you got to play the full 48 minutes. Or 60. And the Colts left plenty of points on the field. The kicking game... The woes continue. There are plenty of missed kicks Sunday. There are plenty of missed kicks Monday. Miss an extra point. Go for two to make up for it. Miss that. Thought they were chasing points early there. And then have a field goal blocked and then have a field goal missed. Oh, I Lots that of points Chasing out there. points. You just missed a PAT, so what makes you think that you would get the PAT the second time? I never understood that. That's, a, that's an ex-jock cliche. Chasing points. Because you make 90% of the extra points. That's why you think you're going to make the next one. You don't think you're going to miss two in a row. Okay, but what is the percentage on the two-pointers? It's about, uh, it changes year to year. The number I've seen has been like 38 to 40%. Okay, so isn't that like a two-pointer versus a three-pointer in the NBA? So, no, because if that means 75, you you're get... getting way bogged down, buddy. <laughs> 75 to way 80 instead of 90. Down. Way the odds bogged still favor down. the one. Way bogged down, man. The odds still favor the one. So then go for one every time. Because the odds are favored. That's the way you live your life. What do the odds say? Boom, I got to go this way. And then meanwhile, you won your $2.10 at the racetrack. Nice. On a $2 That's bet. why I put two bucks on Secretariat. <laughs> and you won well, your $2.10. I was too young, but I knew a guy. And he took care well, of Well, you went offshore. The Dodgers and Giants, the, uh, the thriller of the night. First off, you're familiar with falls in Southern California. That weather, that was nasty. Had one Dodger fan in a group chat during the game saying, no ball will fly out of Chavez Ravine in this weather. Well, one did. Evan Longoria, the well, game's I, only run. The solo stadium homer. is not Chavez Ravine. Yeah, I know. Because no, one, no, no ball is flying, flying out, out of Chavez, Chavez Ravine. Ravine. That'd That's be, the whole area. That would be like a 3,000-foot home yeah, run. Yeah, right. Over the police building out there. And it would have center. to be, you know, in, a moon in, inordinately high. A literal moonshot. Yeah. Shout out to Brandon Crawford for making the defensive play of the postseason. Two out runner at second, guys going on contact, and Crawford way up in the air. Just grab that line drive and save that run. Got to time it, time it very well, and he did. Yeah, good for him, man. He's my MVP of the National League this year. Bryce Harper, sorry. Dodgers, going to make it tonight, make it a five-game series, or the Giants close them out? Oh, man. I'm not going to bet against the Giants. Team of destiny. Yeah, but I I had this thing going five. It just seemed like it was the right thing to do. And if it went seven, if it went nine, I would go that way. 
107 win team, 106 win team. Yeah. Rivals. Yeah. Close head to head in the regular season. Yeah. So I assumed it would go five. It may still and do it. I, for our entertainment value, ultimately, I don't care who wins. Uh, but I, I want to be entertained. Give me another game. I would love to see this. I, I wish uh, uh, Tagliabue would make a ruling, make it go seven, have <laughs> the commissioner come in. So there have been two guys who have been getting a lot of pub here uh, late in the NBA offseason, into the camp and the preseason. Uh, one is Ben Simmons, and he reported in Philadelphia. The other's George's Niang. And saved himself a lot of money by showing up, taking the COVID test. Getting himself back into the Sixers uh, camp and rotation, and he'll get paid. Never mind. But go ahead and trade me. But since you can't trade me when I'm not here and I'm going to lose money, I'll come back, but still trade me. But I'll get paid and I'll play. Who's dying to get Ben Simmons? Nobody. That's why he had to come back. <laughs> the league doesn't want to pay. Yak, what was the number on that contract? Was it four years, $143 million? Four years, $147 million. $147 million. Okay. Which team views Ben Simmons as the missing piece? To whatever uh, that missing piece is. Now, for some teams, somebody, missing yeah, missing some piece teams might get closer. to the playoffs. Oh, okay. But I'm not, I'm not talking to the, necessarily right. the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever your legitimate goal is going into this season. Rumors out there involve the Kings, the Warriors, but nothing's come to fruition so far. And I just don't see it. Now, the, the, the Warriors want to be solidly in the playoffs, and the Kings want to make the playoffs, right? So there's levels of what your Kings. realistic goal is. Either you're a contender, you want to be solid in the playoffs, or you want to make the playoffs. Kings have been in the lottery 15 years in a row. That's the longest streak in the NBA and by what are you a gonna solid give up? margin. Well, and that's the thing is not only are you going to have to pay him, the Sixers are going to want a lot. So, so it's not happening, so that's why he comes in. Now, Kyrie Irving, the Nets have just announced just in this hour that they are going to say you can't be part way in. They're, because of the way things have been done in New York, we don't want to get into too much, but it was okay for him to practice, but it wasn't okay for him to play home games or the Nick and Warrior road games. And now they're saying all the way in or all the way out. We can't have you in, in and out, depending on where we're playing or practicing on any given day. So I'm thinking... Yeah, only announcers can get away with that. I'm thinking we're going to be seeing Kyrie Irving here full-time. He's not really going to sit out, is he? He's a man of principle. I know, but There's far more important things than basketball and money. He's told us that a thousand times. How many he was going to save the world this time last year. Like how flat many, earth conspiracy theories. How many players have we seen sit out even portions of a season, let alone a full season, with the way the money's gone How many people are sports? Kyrie Irving? Okay, you got me there. Only Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving. Or like Kyrie Irving. He's had drama everywhere he's gone. A handful of NFL wide receivers can say that. A small handful. You're right. There is drama everywhere it goes. So if anybody, I agree with you, there's a lot of cash, but if anybody's going to do it, it's him. I'll give you that. I agree with that. If anybody's going to do it, it's him, but I would still think he'll be I hope he sticks to his principles. (laughs) I don't even care what his principles are. I don't even know what they are. I don't bother why he's in the East. I'm not worried about it. It's not the team I have to follow for work. I follow it just for interest. Odds makers have established them as the NBA favorites. Right, so I'm going to follow them as an NBA fan, and they got Durant, and I love to watch Durant play. Actually, NBA GMs established them as the favorites. That NBA fan. head coaches. 
Don't know about them. NBA but sixth four. men's of the year. And seventh men's. All the Joe Ingles <laughs> getting together for a vote. Guys who play Call of Duty at night. <laughs> <laughs> In a pool of Call of Duty players. Hayward's thinking, my gosh, I'm a video dude. I could have stayed there and played with those guys. I could have had my jersey retired. Oh, well. Technology's there. He can play remotely. Yeah, but they don't want him. He's not part of the club, though. You be This is this is a fraternity. That it is. I mean, they ought to have Otis Day in the Knights perform. That's an old school fraternity <laughs> reference that not everyone got. Oh, everybody's got Animal House. Not everybody. That's like you'd Gone be, with the Wind. You'd be surprised. Yes. Every single one person get on our app Who would and be say, have you never heard animal, of PK. Animal House? Yeah. PK, I think there's not as many people that know that movie as you would imagine. But they know of Animal House. But they don't know of Otis. Right. I got you. I understand there. So, But that's why I made the connection to Animal House. That helps. All right, DJ and PK, coming up, your feedback. It's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Football Fridays are presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Time for your feedback. Everything you've had to say about today's show. Show, show, show. <laughs> uh, as far as the question about uh, why do people get so involved in their in their team? Why do why fools do, fall in love? Why why is a guy shot and killed after the Alabama Texas A and M game in an argument over two college football teams? Because it's important. Matt says it's because people wrap their whole identity around a team. You see it in religion, politics, sports, etc. Cub Scouts. Cub Scouts. <laughs> what? Wrap your whole identity. That's tough. Have fun with it. Enjoy it. But when it's over, it's over. Now you've had more time to think about it. Dusty says the answer is unfilled dreams mixed with hometown reality. Is that just too deep for you? Yeah. People carrying frustration in their lives of the way things are going, and they were a high school football player, and now they got they get wrapped up in a college or pro team. And okay, but didn't you know by the time midway through your senior season, if not earlier, this is it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The countdown through the last uh, the second round of league because I played a sport basketball where you had double round robin. Mm-hmm. The second round of league, you could just you could feel it coming. There's there's eight games left. There's six games left every week. Tick-tock, tick-tock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. And you know. And I got to admit, when I... But I actually played a year after high school, and then I was done. And when that was done, taken off the uni, I knew that was it. And it was sad. And baseball hurt for a few years. I got over it. But I didn't want to shoot somebody if... Well, I didn't really have a pro team that I root for anyway. Uh, but... I never took it that far. And I would think football, of all the sports, even though it's the most popular, it also should be the one that you're more easily able to let go. Because in football, the game is only part of game day experience. It's with your family and friends that you tailgate, or if if they should get lucky enough to play a day game, go out to eat afterward. And it's a whole like it's a whole experience. So if if the, 
If the Utes lose 31-30 to Saturday night in a real exciting game, and you spent the whole day with your family, and say you spent with your, your dad, and he's older and all that, can't you take something from it? Does the only way you can take something from it is if they have one more point than the opponent? Well, Steven says sports like politics fosters tribalism. Tribalism leads to extreme behavior and beliefs. And I guess once you get to the extreme, then you can't take something from it. The one-point loss. They're losers. They can't make the big play. There's a whole macho thing that goes into it, and we have all heard that in talks after games, whether you're talking with friends or listening to radio or social media these days, whatever it is. Whoever loses this game Saturday is not out of it. It's not over. That would be one loss in a division where we think 7-2 and two can win it. Now, right. 7-2 and two with the tiebreaker. It would help to have the tiebreaker. Sure it would. I get it. But you fans right now, what are you, you 3-2? and two? Is that what they are? Yes. Okay, so if you go 7-2 and two in league. You'd be 8-4. and four. And you went 7-2 and two in league. That's not bad. It is not bad. It's not the big year people crave. No, but you weren't going to have the big year this year anyway. You weren't expected. This is not 2019. We're expected to have the big year. And you just heard Kyle. Oh, he commands the little room. He's got everything you need in leader. Why the hell didn't you start him? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> d- don't pay attention to that right now. Because the other guy looked really good. You're sort of incriminating yourself when you, the more you praise Cam Rising. Like, well, yeah, well, <laughs> at this point, whatever. It's like BYU fans. The Pac-12 sucks! Wait a second. Wait a minute. We We're went, better than the Pac-12. That's, we just I know, went 3-0 against But nobody against gets them. that logical. It goes back to all this extreme emotion. People, as soon as you beat a really good team, crowds chant overrated. They do it in... Oh, that's cliche. I know, but, but why would you do that? Like five mean, syllables, they won't, wouldn't. It, the chant just works. And then you clap. Yeah. So it just, it just works that way. So... They're not out of it by any stretch. This was, this was not going to yeah. be... This, we didn't think this was a championship year anyway. So, wow. If you go 8-4, and 7-2, and two, hey, if you're that just four, gives you a ton of hope for next year. Yeah, and if you're 7-2 and two and you won the division, you get to go to the Pac-12 title game and play for a trip to the Rose Bowl. And maybe you get it this year. That'd be great. But all I'm saying is if you lose Saturday night, it's not over. I think that's easier for ASU to believe than Utah. Because ASU would have already taken down UCLA also. They'd be sitting on tiebreakers everywhere. For Utah, still got the UCLA game coming up. What do you mean? It's easy for, for who to Well, because ASU will have two tiebreakers. They'll have handled UCLA and Utah. Yeah, but look who you're talking about. I know. Well, a and program both that's teams. been running in place for we 30 we, friggin' years. I understand that, but you know, once a decade they pull it off, they're due. Yeah, you're right. You're so right. Well, overdue. That thing was okay, due I'll, I'll years give you ago. Yes, I'll give you that. I'll give you overdue. <laughs> the thing where you're right is that most teams, there are exceptions, most teams aren't going to get the same juice out of their back of quarters as their starter. It's a violent sport. This is so a no matter pack how good it looks, one QB injury changes the whole race. Exactly. So the Devils could win and they literally have nobody behind right. Daniels. I agree. That's so the point he can I'm making. go down. Yeah, I, that's the point I'm making. Well, that's I'm a you. hell of a good point. Thank you. It's about time. All right. Well, it took four <laughs> hours, but good night, everybody. Hands and Scott here up next. We'll see you tomorrow.